This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Galatians chapter 1. Just wanted to say it's an honor to be here this evening, especially on nights where we are praying for the saints. There's nothing better than to hear the saints of God praying for the people of God. There's so much power in that. So very, very encouraging. Much like this message tonight, uh, my prayer is that it is also encouraging to all of us here as believers that we might hear the word of the Lord and take something from it. It's a simple message, but something from it where uh, as, we, as we go about our separate ways, we can be encouraged uh, in the work that God has us to do. Um, so before we begin, let's pray. Bow with me, please. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather and to hear your word. We pray that we would hear you clearly and be encouraged um, by the life and work of Paul. Um, Lord, we pray that as we um, go our separate ways, we can, we can hear you and um, understand more better and be, have a boldness about us as we go and share the gospel and encourage people uh, in the word, in the word that you have given us. Father, we pray strength uh, tonight in the preached word. Lord, we pray that um, even if there are those who are here who may not fully understand uh, who you are and what you've done for us, that they might understand what needs to be done to be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to begin uh, with actually reading Galatians chapter 1. This is a, it's a short little section, but I think it will paint a very nice picture of what we are trying to establish uh, tonight. Galatians chapter 1 reads, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God, the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you, and peace from God the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in thine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the tradition of my fathers. 
But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I to, up to Jerusalem to them, which were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James and the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. Afterwards, I came to the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. Amen. Where do you get your knowledge from? Where did you go to school? Who taught you that? Who was your mentor? These are authenticating questions, and sometimes we hear them in our culture. Um, the answers are important because they authenticate the knowledge that a person has. If a person were going to teach you how to, say, write or, or to play music, and mention that they learned how to play music from their neighbor's third grader, you would have probably some questions about the authenticity of their ability to play music. But on the other hand, if this person came to you and said that they trained under some great musician or some great songwriter, then your ears would perk up a little bit. You would think to yourself, perhaps there is some authenticity with this person's knowledge and what they have. Uh, I have experienced that myself. Um, when I first got out of college and ended up uh, doing some work in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, uh, I was trained under a particular individual that I didn't even realize had much you know, fame, I guess, as you could say. And then when I mentioned who I was trained by at this particular job, they were amazed. Wow. He trained you in this. And I said, okay, this is, this is wonderful. And it added authenticity to what I was going to provide to that particular job. Paul never met Christ during his ministry on earth. Only the apostles could claim that they trained directly under Christ. Paul, however, received the knowledge of Christ from Christ himself. And it was directly and uniquely divine. And so when we start chapter 1 in Galatians, just to give some general context, what we find is a church that has been plagued with those, as Paul says, distorted the gospel of Christ. They were teaching that circumcision was necessary for salvation. And for clarity, these were Jews who still believed that Christ came to save, but they also believed that you needed to follow the law of Moses. And the problem with that is it was adding to the doctrine 
of salvation. And as a, as a result, it was an, an error in understanding salvation as Christ taught it. And so this mixing, uh, at this time there wasn't really a separation of uh, the Christian and the Jews. They were all Jews, but they all had some different beliefs in what salvation was. And so the Galatian church had a bit of an issue because after Paul came to them and presented the gospel to them, they were now hearing these other things. Paul's concern was that this line of thinking that you needed to be circumcised, as it were, it would turn a person away from salvation and back to a work of faith, uh, or excuse me, a work, a, a salvation by works and not of faith. And this message was contrary to the gospel of our Lord, who would certainly and certainly lead to spiritual error. It should be noted that the, the book of Galatians, this letter, is what we would call an occasional letter. Uh, there's a reason for Paul writing, and that reason is very clear that he has come to correct. Um, it is an interesting letter because it doesn't start out like many of his other letters. If you notice in verse 1, he, right, off the, right off the top, he said, Paul, an apostle, then in parentheses, it says, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. That's not normally how Paul would begin uh, a letter. So he immediately sets out in authenticating himself. And if you also notice, normally in his letters, he'll have this area of thanks. We're so thankful for uh, these members and those members, but he doesn't do that. In verse 6, he immediately starts out and he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. There is no thanks there. It's immediately, we need to talk. <laughs> There's a bit of a problem, and I'm concerned. So Paul wrote this letter to Galatia out of heartfelt concern for their spiritual well-being. And Paul makes it clear that those who were still under the law were under the curse, and that the just should live by faith. We find that in Galatians 3, 10 through 11. And to make matters worse, there were those who sought to discredit even Paul as an apostle. In this letter to the Galatians, Paul spent the first portion of his letter, the first chapter of his letter, authenticating his calling and his ministry. And I'll pause here to say that this message entitled God's Work in Paul the Apostle. God's Work in Paul the Apostle. Isn't so much about the Church of Galatia as much as it is about God's work through Paul and what we find and can lift from Scripture in chapter 1 of Galatians. There are three things as I was studying this passage that I wanted to present to you all that I felt was a bit encouraging. The first was the personal revelation that Paul has in verse 11 through 12. The second is the personal change that happened in Paul in verse 14. And the third is personal transformation in verse 15 through 19. And this is where I would like to rest a little bit this evening as we talk about these three areas of Paul's life. Let's start with personal revelation, verses 11 through 12. He says, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus 
Christ. Paul, again, as we said earlier, had a very unique experience that none of us can possibly imagine. Uh, from the very first verse, as we stated earlier, he declares that he is an apostle from verse 1. And we see later on, he again backs this up as we get into verse 11 and 12. He speaks of the same thing. He's authenticated this, this message that I have and what I taught you, Church of Galatia, isn't something that just came from me. It came from the Lord Jesus. Paul was saved by encountering Christ directly. And if you ever go back to Acts chapter 9, verses 3, and 3 through 6, you'll see that. As a matter of fact, I'll just read it. Uh, this, is, this is Acts chapter 9, verse 3 through 6. It says, As Paul journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Now, I don't know about you all, but I haven't encountered many people, or hardly, I haven't encountered anyone who was saved in this manner. This is very unique and very distinct to Paul. It says, Paul fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, at that time, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? How many of you can admit that if you were in this same situation, you would say the exact same thing? Lord, what do you want me to do? I see this light, and, I've, and, and here I am. Whatever it is you need me to do, I'll do it. This is, this is what happened to Paul. He immediately confessed that. What is it that you need me to do? The Lord said, arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So this encounter with the risen Lord, it, it jarred Paul into recognizing the ultimate truth, that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ, Acts 2.36. Paul had been fighting against this thing for the longest time to the point of persecuting the church. And now he runs into the Lord on the road to Damascus. And now he is able to come to, his, to an understanding of who it was that he was truly persecuting. It took the Lord revealing himself to Paul in order for him to spiritually see and understand Understand that our Lord did this out of love. This wasn't punishment for Paul in any way. He loved Paul, and he needed Paul to accomplish a specific mission. And so in this way, he extended himself to Paul just like he did to us. We had an encounter with the Lord in some way. That's why we're all sitting here, most of us here sitting as believers. We had some encounter with the Lord which, which grabbed a hold of us and we began to understand by revelation, Lord, you truly are who you say you are. And Paul's encounter was very unique and different, but ours is not invalid because we too have encountered the risen Lord in some capacity. Scripture teaches that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, says John 14, 6. But also, Scripture says, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, John 6, 44. It's important to understand that in order for us to really grasp where we are in the kingdom as believers, it's the fact that we didn't have the capacity to understand who Christ was unless the Lord drew us first. That's amazing to me. Paul didn't even have the capacity to understand this until the Lord gave him that ability to see. 
So we here, sitting here today under the blood of Christ, we're here not because we intellectually understand, not because we read through something and now it just seems to make sense in our rational and logical mind and here we are now as saved individuals, but we understood because the Lord allowed us to understand the need for our salvation. He opened our eyes first and then we began to see. God revealing himself to Paul saved him. And this is what Paul leaned on as he began writing this letter, the fact that he was saved and the fact that the Lord chose him and called him out of a place of darkness. Which leads me to the second point, which is the personal change that we see in verse 14. We understand that, of course, he was, he was, he was called by the Lord in this, this, this miraculous, this, this miraculous uh, um, um, time where, he, where the Lord called him to understand who he was, but we also now see that there was a change in his thinking, a change in his processing. And verse 14 says, and profited in the Jews' religion, this is what he is saying, above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the tradition of my fathers. Now, you have to understand where Paul is coming from here, because Paul isn't just the average everyday person. He's Pharisee. I mean, he's gone to school for this. He's studied it. He's learned. Uh, we, we talked about authenticity. If anyone had it, Paul had it. If anyone had a question, Paul knew it. Paul was trained under the, the lead rabbi of the day who's, who's Gamaliel. And more than likely, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt, uh, Paul would probably be the next in line to be one of the leading teachers of the day. So he was very valuable to the Pharisees and the authenticity that he had to say as a Pharisee that he trained under Gamaliel and he learned the law and he, he, and he taught the law so well uh, was, was kind of like his calling card at one point. And so I cannot imagine that it would be easy to throw all of that away and so easy to give that up. So keeping the law, keeping the law is what he believed would bring to himself salvation. But an encounter with God, an encounter with the Lord, and subsequently three years, as Pastor Asher preached the other day, three years with the Lord would radically change his thinking of what salvation is. Uh, we see later on, Paul began to write about these things. We see in Galatians, Paul said, no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith, Galatians 3.11. Paul teaches also in Romans. Later on, he's discussing this very thing. He, he's teaching them that no one can keep the law. And in Romans 2, he concludes by saying, a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, Romans 2, uh, 2 through 9. Turn with me to Philippians. Go to Philippians here real quick. Uh, I want you to take a look at... Um, um, this, is, this is an interesting thing that he writes here in Philippians. Uh, he, he starts out talking to them about um, the same concept. Um, and I'll just share with you. This is what it says. Beware of dogs. Beware of evildoers. Beware of concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit. Now he's speaking to the church here. He says, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have the confidence in the flesh, 
If any man, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, he says, I more. And this is where Paul begins to kind of expound on his authenticity of being a Pharisee of the day. He says, he starts listing like his resume. He says in verse 5, circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. In verse 6, he says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law. He said, blameless. Verse 7, but what things were gained to me, he says, those I counted loss for Christ. He had a lot to lose. He had a lot to give up, but he said he counted it all loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is the, of God by faith. Understand that this is a radical, radical statement for a Pharisee to say. A radical way of thinking and processing what salvation actually is. But it was the gospel that brought Paul to a point where he was changing his thinking about what salvation is. And so our Lord opened our eyes to salvation, and we now understand that there is a key pillar to our salvation. The Lord opened our eyes to understand and our mind to understand this, just like he did Paul. He, scripture says, for by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The pillar of our salvation rests on that, and we now understand that. And so... We as believers can identify with the change that happened in Paul. And we can preach the gospel boldly and with confidence because we know that our thinking has changed and our understanding of salvation has also changed. Lastly, though, I'll say this. And this is where I think the biggest piece comes from. And this is the personal transformation that we see in Paul's life. In verse 15 through 19, what we see now is a culmination of, of not just his encounter with the Lord and his conversion, and not just the change in his understanding of salvation, but now we see feet to this thing. We see his actions have actually been altered because of what he believes. Paul was indeed a changed man, and by the Spirit of God, he was transformed. His mind had been renewed and his actions changed. We read this in the text. We see that at one point he is harassing the believers uh, to, the point of, to the point of imprisoning them and persecuting the church. He says in verse 13, this is what he was an expert at doing and this is what he believed that he should do. Now he's no longer doing that. He's a changed man. He's totally been transformed. He shares with the Galatians of this story of what happened when he was persecuting the church. And it's very clear that the Galatians had already heard this before. This wasn't the first time because he, he mentioned that they already know this. Uh, but he's telling them this story that they already knew and that Paul hated the church and he was determined to violently attack the church and destroy the church. By the grace of God, Paul went from being a zealot for the law and a persecutor of the church to an apostle of the church 
a defender of the gospel, an evangelist to the Gentiles. Now that, I would say, is a very much, very much a transformed life. Uh, Galatians chapter 123 highlights the reaction that, ha that, that, has, that happens now because Paul has changed his behaviors and his actions, and it's hard for the apostles to even believe. But there was a church in Judea that saw this and heard this, and their reaction to it was, is, well, they glorified God in him. Whenever we find ourselves or whenever we, if we think back over our lives and how the Lord has saved us and we see the transformation that takes place, we'll also see some action that goes with it. Things that we used to do, we no longer do. Uh, things that we were easily swept away with, now we're a little more in aversion to those types of things. Things that didn't bother us before now begin to weigh on our mind a little bit more and we begin to think about these things. But make no mistake, there is a change. And the change, for the most part, is instantaneous. Now granted, there are some things that over time may take a little more work, but you have to admit that with the, with the salvation that God gives us and our understanding of that, he immediately begins to change. We have changes. We have a new man on the inside of us. And that is very, very powerful to consider. And so this life that's transformed by Christ, it's never the same. It's never the same. I was reading this book um, years ago. I don't know if it's still in print. It's a book called Persian Springs by an author. Her name is Pauline Selby. Um, and in it, she writes the account, the salvation accounts of these Iranians who heard the gospel by way of revelation and their lives were forever changed. Now, I'm sure you know, the mere fact that I'm saying that they are Iranians indicates that they're, they're in hostile territory. Uh, so here they are, they've heard the gospel, uh, they have been changed, their mindset on understanding what salvation is has been changed, but now they get to this place where their life is transformed and how do they go about doing that practically without getting themselves killed? How do they go about uh, this bubbling over of what the Lord has done and sharing it with their neighbor or family member? That could get them totally kicked out or if not killed or their family chased down. And so it's a very, very, very interesting read called Persian Springs. But I say all of that to say that we're not that much different when you really think about your life and how the Lord has transformed you from where you used to be to where you are now. What does all of this have to do with the gospel message, and the authenticity that God has blessed us with. We don't have to worry about whether what we're telling a person related to our testimony or the gospel, when we're coming from scripture, we don't have to worry about whether we're authentic or not. We simply have to preach the word. The Lord has saved us, he's changed us, and he's transformed us. What fear do we have in going to our next door neighbor and saying, thus saith the Lord? We shouldn't have any fear. And I know that's sometimes hard because I've been in that place too where I've thought, should I say something here? Should I not say something? Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. What's really at the root of that? Fear. Concern about what another person would say. Concern about, do I, do, do I really know enough scripture to talk to this person about this or that or what the Lord has said? I think all of us at some point has been there. But if you have a testimony, if you can talk about what the Lord has done for you in your life, that's enough. The Lord's not asking for much more than just simply tell them what I did for you. 
And surely if anybody understands your testimony better than you, it's, well, I said that backwards. If anybody knows your testimony well, it's got to be you. No one else can share your testimony like you can. I, 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 I have loved the testimony services here because I can hear where God, how God has transformed lives and what God has done in the lives of each and every, every one of you. And if we compile all of the testimonies in this room, oh, what a great gospel that is of what God has done. Now, just imagine if we were to disperse from this place and go and share what God has done for us. Imagine the type of transformation in our communities, or right out here, right on Pew's, um, Pew Road, right, right out here in Chesapeake. Imagine what we can do at our jobs where we go to work if we just open our mouths and share. Look what God has done for me. I used to be this way, and now I'm changed. Look at what God has done in my life. I, I love where I work because I love being able to share with people about what I have learned and, and seeing, seeing people's lives kind of their eyes just kind of open up when, when I share with them things that I've never shared with them before. And, and so I encourage you all to make sure that you keep that in mind, that you don't need to be ashamed of who you are in Christ. He's already commissioned you to do that, Matthew 28. He told you, he said, all power is in my hand. Now go, that's the word that he used, go, teach, preach, baptize. This is what we need all believers to do because we want to glorify God in our doing. A radically transformed life. Even the preaching of the gospel reflects our transformation because prior to that, maybe we, would not, we wouldn't have the ability to do that. But what an awesome message it is. And I will also share this with you too, just as a word, words of wisdom. The gospel message was not given to angels. The gospel message was given to us. We are the only individuals on the planet that can carry the gospel message. An unbeliever cannot carry the gospel message. Only believers, only those who are in the body can carry that message. If he, if he has entrusted us with his faith, with, I'm sorry, if he has entrusted us with his power and the Holy Spirit to go take this message, we should not be ashamed of the gospel at all, but we should go and do what thus saith the Lord. I pray this is encouraging to you. This is just a small snippet of what one could pull from Galatians. Surely we could talk a whole lot more about the Galatians themselves as we get into chapter 2 and we get into chapter 3, we get into the just living by faith, etc. But I think it's appropriate to just take a little bit of time and to see what God has done through the life of Paul and apply that to our lives so that we might, we might also go and do the same. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.